Well, good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. We are so glad that you're here this morning. What an exciting day uh, we've got today. wanted to just celebrate with you something that took place yesterday. As many of you know, uh, back towards the end of August, we had a, a five, God's given us a five-year vision to see several things take place. And one of those is to plant a church, a second campus in Columbus, Kansas. And we had about 30 of us that went over there yesterday for Columbus Days and just begin to spread the word that we're going to be coming in February. And one of the statements that we kept hearing from different people from our group that were over there was uh, people were saying, we're going to try it out. We're going to check it out. And so uh, this morning, I just wanted to give God praise. The, The people are beginning to talk over there. People are getting excited about it. And so let's just give God a hand for what he's doing and he's going to continue to do. And that's what we're talking about today. We want to see people freed up. We want to see people freed up from alcoholism and addiction and and sin and struggle and just be able to connect them with God and see God do amazing things. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to start a new series next week, but today I want to just share with you a special message that's been on my heart called Freed Up. I don't know how long ago it was. It was maybe like a year, two, uh, maybe two or three years ago. I got a call uh, from a friend of mine who said, hey man, would you go over and would you see uh, this kid named Kyle? And he's actually had the same name as me. And he goes, he's just struggling with alcohol and just addiction, man, and, and just not in a good spot. Would you go over and would you go over and just talk with him? And, and so... I said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll go over there. And so, you know, I knock on the door and, and nobody comes to the door and I finally make my way in. And, and you know, uh, for those of you maybe who've struggled with alcoholism or you know somebody that is, um, it had been really my first experience seeing it up close and personal. And I just remember seeing all these cans smashed up in the corner in the living room and in his bedroom and just trying to, trying to give hope and bring hope and bring encouragement to him and, and just just pouring myself into him and, and just kind of walking away thinking, man, God, would you just do something? And about two, three, four years later, however long ago ago it was, I got a letter just saying that God had redeemed him and restored him and, and was working in his life. And the reality is, is that God can not only, not only did he free up Kyle, but he can free up us and he can free up people in our community. And that's what this story that we're going to be talking about is, is seeing this, this son that's struggling and seeing him be redeemed. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn to Luke chapter 15, or if you got the Bible on your phone, you can turn there to YouVersion app. But here's what's happening in this story. Jesus would always tell these parables and they always had a point. He would always tell a story to try to make a point or make a statement. And parables were always these fictional stories, but they had a divine meaning to them and a divine purpose for them. And Jesus begins to tell this story about these two sons. And one of the sons was responsible. He was a son that, that did the right things and, and always, you know, was the one you could count on. He would be the one that got good grades in school and you didn't have to tell them to do their chores. They did their chores, chores and just responsible. And then he had this other son who basically was not always listening to what his dad would do and acted impulsively and, and just did the wrong thing. 
And it comes time for, you know, the younger son who, who begins to get a little bit older and he begins to think that maybe he can run his life better than, you know, than anybody else can. And so he goes to his dad and he says, here's what I want to do. I want you to take the inheritance that is due to my older brother and to me. And I want you, out of fairness to my older brother, I want you to go ahead and divide up it, divide our inheritance in half and give him half and give me half and, and I'm out of here. I'm moving out. I'm doing my own thing. And there comes this point as parents, if we haven't reached that point yet, where we're just going to make it worse if we say something. And yet at the same time, we know they're making the wrong decision, but there's nothing we can do about it. And some of us can relate to this. And so the father begrudgingly does what the son asks because there's nothing really he can do about it. And he gives his son the, the money, and the son goes out, and he squanders it away, and he, I don't know if he hits the casino, or if he, you know, just goes and, and spends it on all kinds of clothes, or, or who knows? We don't know what he did, but he squandered all that he had on wild living. And he gets to this place where he's so broke, he can't even pay attention. I mean, he is broke. And there's still this pride inside of him that doesn't want to admit that, that there's an issue. And so he decides that he'll go, get, he'll go get a job, and his job is to, to feed the animals and to feed these pigs. And he gets so hungry because he doesn't have any money that he begins to look at the food that's going to the pigs, and he begins to consider eating that food that he's feeding these pigs. I mean, he's at rock bottom. We've all maybe said before to someone or thought if we didn't say it, you know what's best for them as much as I hate to admit it is they need to hit rock bottom. I just hope and pray that rock bottom doesn't kill them. I mean, we've heard somebody say that or we've said it or we've thought it. And this son starts to realize that this isn't the life that he wants. You know, sometimes when people go to the pig pen, which is where we find this guy, Sometimes most people just get used to pig pen living and they stay there. But every once in a while, there'll be somebody that's like, this isn't the life that I want to live. I don't want this. And he makes that decision. He wants a different destination, so he makes a different decision. And he says, you know, I'm not going to go home and admit my wrong and, and tell dad how much money I, I burned through all of it. But, but I can go home and work for him. And so he begins to make his way back to, to the father, and, and Jesus tells this parable, and the father sees the, the younger son coming off at a distance, and, and he runs. He doesn't walk. He runs out to meet him, and he hugs him. And the scripture says he's, the father is filled with compassion for his younger prodigal son who's made bad choices. And he the, you know, the younger son who was full of pride begins to kind of soften and he, and he explains kind of what's going on and he tells him, you know, can I work for him? And the dad's like, no, are you kidding me? No, everything I have is yours. Get the royal robe and get the ring, which, you know, those were royalty and they meant something to be respected. And kill the fattened calf, not the goat, not the cat. <laughs> Not the whatever, kill the fattened calf. This is like we're having, we're having prime rib, we're having T-bones, we're having bone-in ribeyes. I mean, we're the best we got. And they go inside and, and, and somebody cranks up the music and they, st- I'm not going to dance because I can't, but 
There's a song about that, isn't there? Uh, Aerosmith, I can't dance or something. Anyway, long story short, they're in there and they're having a party. And the responsible older son is out in the field working. As a pastor, it's really fun to preach this story. It's about the grace of God. It's about redemption. It's cool, too, because sometimes in a church service, you have prodigals who who are the alcoholic or the gambling addiction or the eating disorder or they're struggling in their marriage or, or there's doing all these kinds of different things. And it's, it's powerful and exciting to be able to say, you don't have to live in the pig pen. You can come home. And I had this amazing message put together and, and I went to my staff and I'm like, look at all this. And, and as we started talking about it, you know, really the, the, the story is not just about the younger son and the father, we have to understand the context who Jesus is talking to in the story. So while at the same time we get that we exist to see prodigals come home and we, we get the, the fact that we need the father's heart, there's this other brother in the story that a lot of times you don't pay a lot of attention to in sermons. They're kind of in the background. But the reality is that the audience that Jesus is talking to when he tells this story with the point is the Pharisees. He's talking to the church people, the religious, the, the, the older brother. See, because the story isn't over. The older brother, he's out in the field and he's working and he's, he's toiling away. In fact, let's be honest, dad is getting along in years and he can't, he can't work the plow like he used to. So responsible older brother who didn't leave and squander his wealth is out in the field and he's working and he's toiling away being responsible. And as he's toiling away, he stops maybe to wipe the sweat off his brow and his back's bothering him. He hears music playing in the distance. It's like, what? In his mind, he's expecting to, to go back to the house and, and eat a simple meal and, and talk with his dad about what they did that day and maybe some plans for the next day and turn in early because he's got a long day tomorrow. Younger brother's not been here in years and it's on me and I'll do it. And it's interrupted because there's music playing loudly. And he asks somebody on his way back to the house, he says, What's going on? Your idiot brother's home. You didn't hear? Takes his work gloves off. What? Your brother, he's home. And your dad took the best calf and they killed it they're going to eat that and they're having a party and he gave him he gave him the ring the crest ring you know that marks that you are not a Rogers or a Smith or a Jones but the father's son he gave him the robe that that you have are you kidding me Have you ever been so mad? Some of you are going to laugh because you like today. Have you ever been so mad that you know you need to keep your mouth shut, but you are so mad that you cannot stop it? You know that you're in front of people. You know people are going to see you get mad, but you're so mad. Some of us dignified people are like, no. And, but I know who you're talking about. 
But there are some of us that we get so mad, we're more emotional. I mean, we're also the type of people that get happy, right? And we're, we're more fun, maybe. But the reality is we also can get really mad and we, we can, like, blow up. And the older son who's been responsible, who's doing these things, he loses it. And he's like, I'm not going inside. And the dad comes outside. He's really not mad at the younger son because you can predict what the younger son's going to do. He's mad at his dad. And the dad comes to him, right? Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. means when somebody's escalating, biblically, we're supposed to not escalate with them. We're supposed to, by the tone and the inflection in our voice, we're supposed to bring them down. And the dad comes out. And this responsible son, who's probably never even talked to his dad like this before, says, all these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do one single thing that you told me to do. Did I? Have I ever not done what you've asked me to do? No, dad, answer me. Have I ever not done what you've asked me to do? No, son, of course you have. And in all that time, in all that time, he's tally counting. He's being a tally counter. All that time, you never gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends, let alone a fattened calf. Yet when this son of yours, he's not even acknowledging that he's a, it's his brother. Yet when this son of yours comes back after, can you see this picture? After squandering your money. I told you it was a bad idea in the first place. Your money on prostitutes and wild living. When he comes home, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? I want to talk about the older son for a minute this morning. Because the older son is a Republican. You work for what you get. Those who get much work much. Justice, not mercy, justice. Jesus is talking to the religious, to the republicans, to the workers, to those who who they have because they worked for it. He's talking to to those who who are know the law and know the the you know the rules and, and are trying to do the right thing. He's not talking to the prodigals. That's why I'm not emphasizing the younger son and the father in this context. He's talking to the Pharisees and he's trying to prove a point to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are sitting back like, uh-huh, go ahead and preach, older son. Go ahead. You're right. He's not been working. He's been squandering. I, I see the older young, I see the older man's point. I see the older son's point. And the dad in that moment, he's like, I'm going to lose my son. See, because the older son's got a pig pen too. It's not drugs, alcohol, premarital, postmarital, or fair sex. It's legalism. It's piety. 
It's, I know the Bible backwards and forwards. I went to a Christian school. I did everything I know to do. I did not skip church. I went to small group. I went to Sunday school. I did everything I know to do. And Jesus looks at the older son, and he's really talking about the Pharisees. And he says in verse 29 and 30 of chapter 15 of Luke, Look, dear son, gentle answer, turns away wrath. You have always stayed by me. I get that, and I acknowledge that. And everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this happy day. Your brother was dead. And he has come back to life. He was lost. He was lost. He was, on, he was strung out underneath a, an overpass. And I know he didn't show up for Christmas. I know he didn't do what he was supposed to do. I know the way he talked to your mom. I know that he hasn't been there for you. I know these things. But he was lost. And now he's found See, I think one of the reasons that churches die, one of the reasons that Christians, me too, get lukewarm, one of the reasons that we have a hard time finding volunteers for things, one of the reasons that, that in general we don't really always prioritize the mission of connecting people back to the Father, of seeing the prodigals come home, is because we hang around the palace too much. And it makes us judgmental. We lose sight of the pig pen. I, I like the Rocky movies, right? And in Rocky 3, he goes, Rock, you want to know one of the worst things that can happen to a fighter and it happened to you? You got civilized, you lost the eye of the tiger. That's why some of the, the most amazing evangelists are new believers because they're excited about their faith. They just left the pig pen. They haven't been around the palace all that long. And I want to tell you today that we have to have the Father's heart to rescue prodigals. But when you spend too much time in the palace... You're ineffective at the pig pen. And people in the community don't want to be around legalistic older sons who judge people who, what are you doing here? Why would you be here? What are you doing home, prodigal son? Where have you been? I work for what I get. They can work for what they get. And Jesus says, that's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. Jesus, while he was here those, those 33 years, took our mindset and flipped it upside down and said, the last will be first and the first will be last. If you love me, obey my commands. When someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other one. Jesus. 
Churches, not just ours. Churches that are full of people that hang around the palace too long, they die. They may not be dead, but they're dead. They're not reaching anybody. They're dead. And then they raised kids who don't even have a heart for the pig pen. And then they have grandkids who end up back in the pig pen. And then the grandparents are like, oh man, we messed up. Timothy Keller, who wrote The Prodigal God, if you haven't read that book, you should read it. It's a little bit heady, right? But it's good stuff. He said, if you haven't grasped the gospel fully and deeply, fully and deeply, you will return to the older brother. You'll return to being condescending and condemning and anxious and insecure and joyless and angry all the time. Well, how do we stop that from happening? We have to stay connected to the Father. We have to stay connected to the pig pens. Upper middle class, doesn't matter what your income is, but we can have an upper middle class mentality sometime. We don't have to drive on the wrong side of the tracks. We don't have to buy groceries on the wrong side of the tracks. We don't have to hang out with people on the wrong side of the tracks. Jesus didn't, that's not Jesus. Your income doesn't make you older brother or younger brother. It's a mentality. And the way that we stay connected to the Lord and to the mission that He has and stay a people and, and, and individuals and families is people that stay connected to the needs. When Jim was packing up his office, Pastor Jim, he used to be the pastor here. I said, man, tell me, tell me what I need to know. He said, Kyle, don't ever lose sight of human need. Don't ever, with the church growing and things going on, don't ever get so disconnected from the needs of people that you forget the pig pen. Because we were all born in the pig pen and we were all saved from the pig pen. And if you haven't been saved from the pig pen, then you're in the pig pen. And the people around you, we're called to rescue you, but if we have a palace mentality, we can't rescue We can get so busy doing some good things that we lose sight of the main thing. You can't see God's bigger picture if your picture is blocking the view. I'm a tally counter. I give praise to the, if the money adds up. I give praise if they did what they're supposed to. I give praise if they hit, not struck out. I give praise if she does what she's supposed to. If she goes out for the sports that I want her to. If she gets the grades that I want her to. If she performs, if she does. And, and it's almost like this, there's this mentality that says we got to be we got to do stuff. We, we, we got to earn our salvation. There's nothing that you can add or take away to what Jesus has done. It's already been did, for lack of a better word. It's been done. Jesus paid it all when he said, it is finished. And the Father gets this. 
And he says, for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. You're stuck on the past. You're stuck on what he did or what she did. He's home. Don't be a tally counter. Tally counters say, you're in my chair. Tally counters say, who are all these people? I don't like the music. I don't want to go to small group. I don't want to help somebody. I'll write a check. I'll donate to the Is Found Fund. Which we're going to ask you to do today, by the way. So what we got to do is we got to pray for kingdom thinking because as much fun as I made of that, I, I, I can be an older son in a heartbeat. See, I say vision leaks, kingdom thinking leaks. Elijah is standing in front of the 450 prophets of Baal, just giving it to them and just shows up and God shows out and everybody's like, oh, snap. And in the next frame, he's running with his tail between his legs, hiding in a cave. Kingdom thinking leaks. And when you don't spend time with the word and you don't come to church and you don't go to small group and you don't hang around pig pens. Now, if you're struggling with alcohol, the bar is not your pig pen to try to win people to Jesus. It's too big of a temptation. You got to be smart. You don't go to a pig pen to try to help people if you're not far removed from that pig pen. But there's places that you can go to be a light because the church exists to see prodigals come home. And churches die and families die and marriages die and relationships die when we start to think that our picture is bigger than God's and when we can fit God's picture into our schedule. When two or three months out of the year, we can fit God's picture into our schedule. Elijah's running in a cave, not not two or three months later. I mean, two or three days, right? I don't know the exact time, but not very long. Folks, we got to keep Jesus at the center of our life. Because... People are needing rescued. That's what this whole vision's been about. You've heard a lot of things, you know, over the last few weeks, and we shared it, don't miss Sunday, about the build out, build up, freed up. But the reality is the whole reason we want to launch in Columbus and we want to add seating for the church and we want to become debt free is because we want to see people, we want to see prodigals come home. Here's what we said at Don't Miss Sunday. God put it all together. We're going to build out, we're going to build up, and we're going to be freed up. We've been gathering, we've been growing. It's time to sin.
In 2021 and 2022, we're going to build up. We're going to build a new sanctuary and a new lobby. Freed up. We're going to see. We want Our goal over the next five years is to see 200 people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. Folks, we don't need 15 years of debt. God wants to keep sending us out. God wants to continue to do things in our church and in the surrounding community. We want to be debt-free in five years. So we have this five-year plan. If you're new today, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? We've got this five-year plan of build out, not literally build, but to build out in Columbus a church. Yesterday we were over there and, and... Man, there's all kinds of needs going on and people that are broken and hurting and they're excited about us coming. We want to build up. We're out of room. We're going to build a new sanctuary. We want to be debt-free, all for the purpose of seeing 200 people, 200 prodigals come home. We said that whatever, and I don't have the figure for you for the, the, the new building, which is the part, the second phase of it, We'll give that to you in February. We're still working behind the scenes to figure out what that's going to be. But we said the first $100,000 that we raise would go to Connecting Point. We said we're going to send 100 people and $100,000 to Columbus to see Connecting Point go. We've already, and this is a hand clapper, we've already collected $15,000 so far. Let's give God a hand. That's awesome. So I'm not a fundraiser person, okay? I'm not trying to talk you guys into something. I'm, I'm just preaching the why. I'm a, I'm a pastor, not a fundraiser. The why is we want to see people come to know Jesus. So we have things that are going on now. Tithe, if you've heard that term, is, is supporting what's happening currently. Tithe is your 10% of your income, and, and what it does with that is, is you're able to do the things that we're doing now. Your tithe goes to missions and missionaries. It, it gives budgets to the children's ministry and the youth ministry and the homestead and, and a bunch of different things that we do here at the church, the flash mall, all the things that we do. Same thing takes place on the district, the region, and global. We give to those things through tithes. Pastors' salaries and staff salaries, we pay our bills. Everything comes out of what's happening. Tithe, when we're asking you to invest in what's happening in the kingdom of God, and, and that's how we pay for those things. But if we shift our money to the Columbus thing, we, we can't support what's happening currently, right? You want to go on vacation, but if all your bill money goes to vacation, that's not going to work too well, right? So we have to keep supporting what's happening, but at the same time, there's something called offering. You've heard the term tithes and offering. Offering is the supporting of special happenings, Above your tithe. So tithe supports what's happening. Offering supports special happenings. And there in front of you, in your pockets of your chairs, should be a little build-out commitment card. If you want to grab that out of your chair right now, you can. If, if we don't have any uh, more left, that means everybody grab one in the first service. There's more out at the information desk out there. But everybody grab this card real quick. It's just a build-out commitment card. And on there is a bunch of different options of how you can give. But Scott Rutledge, who's a guy in our church who knows finances and 
along with a team, he put together a scenario. This isn't necessarily the scenario, but he said, if 10 people would give and 20 people would give and 40 people would give and 96 people would give, we'd be there. But the reality is this morning that rather than you being impressed with my ability to fundraise, because I'm not good at it, what, what I'm hoping today that would motivate us is not numbers, is not the fundraising campaign. What would motivate us to give is the fact that there's people that need to come home. And if God has all of us, he has our resources. And one of the ways that we worship the Lord is acknowledging that whatever income we have was given to us by God. And we don't give God a goat. We give God the fattened calf and we say, the first of what we have is yours, God. The church exists to see prodigals come home. And so what I'm asking you today, if the Lord's speaking to you about an amount and you want to fill that card out and drop it in the offering plate then, or the offering box, you don't have to wait on me. You can do that. But the reality is a lot of us, we need to take it home. We need to pray about it. But church, for us to accomplish this vision, we have to give sacrificially. And so this morning, what I'm asking you to consider is would you consider instead of giving what's left over or realigning your tithe to pay for this, would you begin to just pray? God will do the talking. Would you begin to just pray about what could we do or what could I do? Whether weekly or monthly or one-time gift to see people in Columbus Come home. Now here's an older brother mentality. Why would I give to Columbus? I'm not going there. I I, I like that you're going to send a hundred over there, but I ain't one of them. And I'm a Pittsburgh purple dragon. Why would I give to Columbus Titan? (laughs) You guys know the answer to that. It's about the kingdom of God. There's going to be people in heaven that you don't get to see the fruit of what you did or said, but you will. That dollar that you give, I'm sounding like Jerry Lewis, that money that you give, you don't have to see how it works, but you're believing in faith that it will be used to do great works. When you give to Faith Promise or any of the other stuff that we give or the Gideons or whatever, you don't get to see where they put that Bible, but you're believing that when they place that Bible, it's going to make a difference. I love this quote. A friend of mine threw it on Twitter. I'm not going to act like I read this in a book, but I saw it on Twitter. He says, we've been called to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. So I say to all of us older brothers, because I can be an older brother, stop tally counting. Stop saying they need to earn their way to justify the fact that you don't want to do anything. And get the gospel. It doesn't matter if you come home at 10 in the morning or noon or 2 o'clock. It doesn't matter. We all get paid the same. There's another parable about that. Your sin 
whether it's sophisticated or unsophisticated, in the eyes of Jesus makes you blemished and you and I deserve hell. But thanks be to God that Jesus carried his cross and he died and he was crucified and he resurrected on the third day. And the gospel isn't for the middle class. The gospel's not for the, those who can help themselves. The gospel is for everyone. I asked Brian to be willing to share this, but Brian's got some people he knows in Columbus and they were just telling some of the needs. What are, what are some of the needs you heard about in Columbus, Brian? Um, pretty much the one thing that some of my family said is that they have some kids that come to their church on their buses that their families are not sending them to go to church. They just want them out of the house and to get fed. Most of them are very poor, poor families that don't have enough. And there was one instance that this kid was so sick, but his mom sent him to the church because he would get fed stuff so it's just there's a lot of poverty yeah crazy things that happen well we got poverty in pittsburgh yes we do well we should do something here help our own kids why do we got to help them kids let's help our kids how about we help all kids let's stand together sorry i told you wrong i'm used my that's out of habit here's what we're going to do today we're going to actually have you remain seated Jeff's finishing up this painting, which looks amazing. Let's give him a hand. So we're wrestling with what song we should do at the end here. And Brian calls me this week. He's like, dude, here's a song, man. It's a new song. What do you think? I listened to it. It's awesome. So begin to pray about what you might give this. We're going to have a whole month challenge of what you can give the next, actually next couple months. But would you just kind of stare at this painting? We're on the screens and see not just the guy in the brown with the fur on that's coming home, but could you put it, make it personal and see somebody from Columbus or somebody you know that could come home through your time, through your talent, and through your treasure.
we, uh, we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Older son, I'm working for the fattened calf. I'm working for dad's approval. We can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And the father says, I see the right thing you're doing. But your mind has got you doing it for the wrong reasons. We're one pauper telling another pauper where the food is. Don't ever forget that. The only difference between a sinner and someone who doesn't know Jesus is accepting that Jesus died on the cross. There is not one thing that you and I can do to earn it. It's like filthy rags. Y'all know, you've heard my definition of that. You can look it up. Our good works are filthy rags to God. I was on an airplane a while back and we were coming home, I think, from vacation. And the stewardess says, before you put the oxygen mask on your kid, put it on yourself. And I've heard it many times as if you've flown before you have two and you always think, you want me to save myself before the kid? And you quickly realize you can't save the kid if you can't breathe. To be the father, to have the father's heart, we have to have on the father's mask. And if we stay in the older son mentality, we will never rescue the younger son out of the pig pen. So before you start rescuing out of the pig pen, realize that God needs to rescue from the pig pen of legalism and the pig pen of realizing or thinking that it's all about us. What would happen in our church and in our community if flag and countryside and life track and the Catholic church and our church and the churches in Columbus and the churches all over the world began to say, it's not about a church. It's not about a method. It's about prodigals coming home because I'm a prodigal and you're a prodigal. And the drug addict's a prodigal. And the woman who had an affair is a a prodigal. And the heterosexual and the homosexual. And the person who doesn't know where to turn next. We are all prodigals. So let God clean you up. And send you out. So people can be freed up. Let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus. There are certain things that you don't give us answers to right away. We have to wrestle with them. And God, today, I know that not everybody's going to do this, but I pray there would be some people that would actually take serious the challenge of praying about what they could do. Maybe they need to give up their pop. Maybe they need to give up their lunch. Maybe they need to give up something, Lord, in order to give. But I pray that we wouldn't give out of our wealth. I pray that we would be like the widow, Lord, who gave all she had, that we would give out of our poverty and trust you, Lord. Pray that you'd help us to be wise. We've got to pay our bills. But I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us what it is you want to give. And may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.